everybody. Welcome to Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. Well, here we are in the heat of the summer. Supreme Court has given us a bunch of rulings that we're going to talk about. Not only the Supreme Court, a federal judge as well. Uh, very, very important. Teaser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're talking about, we're not going to bore you. We're not going to get it lost in the weeds with regard to all the legalisms, but... And just because you're sitting on the beach doesn't mean you can't tune in. So make sure you listen while you're vacationing. And when you come back, where do you go to eat? You go to Masoni's. Of course. Where? Uh, 8833 <laughs> Bel Air Road. <laughs> Only a year and a half. You should have that down by now. <laughs> I should. And after Masoni's, if you're still hungry, which I doubt. No, we have to comment <laughs> about Joey Chestnut. It was the 4th of July. <laughs> we need to bring hot dogs to Masoni's. Yes, Make sure sickening, he is but... sitting on the couch watching every minute of Joey Chestnut, who saved America this time around because they <laughs> Joey were Chestnut cancel... saved America. Well, they were going to cancel the whole thing <laughs> and because of weather, which is ridiculous. You know, uh, puzzling to say the least. And uh, he said, "No, we are going." Joey forward. Chestnut showed leadership. I'm going to eat these dogs today. He, and, he, you know, of course, he didn't make, paid break his it. record, but he did, of course, win. And Drew Ehrlich just gets so much humor out of yes, watching and Joey my, Chestnut my, and remembering your dad. My dad, my dad loved watching it. Great so, bonding with Joey Chestnut won grandchildren again. for years. alive and well. Here we go. Okay. Speaking of America, three quick tidbits before we get into. And I know Joey Chestnut is big news, but. He is. Major League Eating. Who knew? Exactly. So three quick tidbits before we get into the uh, foundation, the really important decisions we want to talk about this week coming from the courts. First, this is one of the most expensive July 4th on record. Is that a shocker for you? Uh, no, it's not a shocker. And we're not going to get uh, we're not going to get caught up in this, but it did bring me back to in the story in. I know that gas prices were way up because I oh, filled yeah. up my tank over the weekend. This story in Western Journal brought me back to the old Larry Summers quote. You recall Larry Summers, uh, Bill Clinton's uh, Secretary of the Treasury, uh, in the aftermath of the last gigantic spending measure. Uh, engaged in by the, the Biden administration, he went on record saying, hey, this was a, a big deal and a really bad big deal. Um, he called it the least responsible macroeconomic policy we've had in the last 40 years. This is a Democrat, wow. cabinet secretary. What it did was rekindle inflation. We've seen inflation now moderate from the 6, 7, 8, 9% we saw last year, but still extraordinarily high, at least with respect to recent years. Uh, your boy, Larry Kudlow, obviously chimed in as well. Lovely. Uh, after Joe Biden's, Kudlow. quote, uh, after Joe Biden's $2 trillion American Rescue Plan, which was his landmark policy, a 6.5% GDP growth economy delivered by Donald Trump sputtered to 1% growth rate in Biden's first full year. So in any event, bipartisan criticism from a really bad deal, uh, and we're still paying the price for that gross expenditure not needed at the time second real quick tidbit ben and jerry's virtue signaling again what do you think they're doing it for years <laughs> they have been doing it for years uh, they put a tweet out this fourth of july it's high time we recognize that the u.s exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it learn more and take action now <laughs> classic classic virtue signaling and I just want this rapper, uh, High Res the Rapper, 
he had a tweet out, which I had a copy here. Quote, um, hey, become a nonprofit. Give all your proceeds to Native American families. Put your money where your mouth is. Only hire volunteers. Step down from your CEO positions for a person of color. Give up your house and your private land that you own first. Love that. Love Don't that. Don't Back. I love it. Showing the hypocrisy in the ice cream guys who made $300 million in the United States of America. Shut up. We don't care. Back in your face, virtue signalers. (laughs) And I love that you follow high res. I've uh, never heard of high res before this. I have to be honest with you. Uh, Third quick tidbit. Cocaine. How hip of you. I was looking for the right Don't you ever call me hip again. (laughs) How uh, interesting cocaine in the White House. We have been in the White House many, many times. We have had to go through former first lady, former governor. It doesn't matter. Very serious security at the White House, obviously, which is a great thing. You have to have it. Uh, but I've put my phone in those cubbies. Yeah, 14 different Not stories. Not too sure about that one. 14 different stories about where the cocaine was found already. Yeah, it's worth following this story. It is quite a mystery. Yeah, work area. Let's define work area. So we'll see. <laughs> All right, enough Let's for get you. the FBI on that Enough one. of you. Uh, okay, maybe not. I hope we put the same investigators that are looking into the Supreme Court leak. Right. By the way, I suspect I that think will be the, the case. Yes. They're on the case. All right, enough of the stuff. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> we have four really important decisions to discuss this week, and we're not going to get into the weeds, as we said. Uh, we're lawyers. Uh, most people are not, thank God. Uh, Three Supreme Court decisions and a, a district court ruling that is big time. Wait a minute. We are first-generation lawyers. And yeah, we are. And I am extremely proud As we of both it. are. But there are a lot of lawyers in our country. Too many, probably. There's probably but, yeah. too many, but... But we are. No, we're proud of our education and all that. Exactly. No, no doubt about it. So, babe, we're not going to gloss over the three Supreme Court decisions, but for the most part, these decisions were not extraordinary. For the most part, they were expected. And the first concerned school loans, the school loan program. An unsurprising result. Student loans. Student loans. Uh, Chief Justice's opinion here, Chief Justice Roberts, at issue was the cancellation of $430 billion in outstanding uh, loans. The genesis of this case, people may not know, was the quote-unquote HEROES Act post-9-11 which gave the Secretary of Education, member of the cabinet, flexibility to modify student aid programs during national crisis. A common sense statute, no doubt it about it. It was to either waive or modify. Modify, yeah. But the justice said that did not equal fundamental change. Well, right. Targeted relief short term was the purpose of that common sense statute. The court ruled the government can't refuse to follow its own rules, which mm-hmm. is pretty reasonable. Uh, it's not the job of the executive to write the law. That's the job of Congress. How about that? How about that for extraordinary uh, opinion Separation writing? of powers <laughs> once again. So uh, the other thing here is, besides the legalisms here and, and the legal analysis, if you look at the polls, this may not even be the political winner the Democrats thought it would be. A lot of people say, nah, you, you, you get that, you pay your debt back and, and well and i think there's so many of us out there that pay, pay that yeah yeah you're looking and at two of them exactly. here by the way and so i think most people think okay we really appreciate that you can get the loans yeah. and that you can go yeah. to school and it's that good this thing. is in the united states of america and uh some can argue that the loan programs need revamping need this need that need lower oh yeah uh, no doubt about it uh, percentage rates and 
those things may all be true, but the idea of, and I thought it was interesting that there was no, no real discussion of private contract, but when you contract with someone to get that money and then pay that money back, yeah. to have the government intervene in that is a, a whole interesting concept. And when it first came out, many lawyers and most lawyers were like, oh, this, this is not going to hold up. Well, but my point is, that's the legal part of it. The political part of it was, this may not be such the winner. That they the thought left it was thought it was going to be. So, in any event, and, and, and just to put a bottom line to this whole thing, that discussion at least, how do people who, as you said, paid their loans, how did they view this? Because there are millions of people yeah, who've paid their loans exactly. off, and now suddenly, as a political ploy, you're going to say, ah, no big deal. And, and they mentioned in the um, decision the wide scope of it as well, yeah, that yeah. it was so not targeted, wide and not it was targeted. not targeted and... And that's not uh, what the HEROES Act was meant to do post 9-11. Second decision, Supreme Court affirmative action. This also was widely expected. Uh, In this case, uh, with regard to Harvard and North Carolina, the issue of race in college admissions was was at issue. Uh, I'm not going to get stuck in the weeds, as we said, but there's a fundamental constitutional analysis that applies in disparate treatment cases and lawyers understand this scrutiny well well yeah we're gonna get that it says under the 14th amendment now and and the bottom line to the present state of the law in the country is disparate treatment can be permissible but when it comes to disparate treatment with regard to race treating one race different from another race it raises a strict scrutiny analysis which, which is the highest, highest form scrutiny. of analysis the toughest threshold if you will to meet which was the issue here uh, note by the way these schools were deemed to be government actors because of the role of federal dollars exactly. flowing to these schools huh? yes. very good for you we both kind of liked constitutional law so that's the deal. Uh, and I'm going to read now just a, a quick line or two from the decision. Or actually, this is from an analysis uh, in Daily Caller. As the Supreme Court found, there is no clear endpoint for when student bodies would be sufficiently, quote unquote, diverse, which has always been the rationale for affirmative action, uh, as to stop using racial preferences, which has always been one of the arguments out there. When do you get diverse there's no enough? End. Yeah, there's right. no literally there's no, no end, end, no objective end. And they mentioned that in the accordingly, the use of race could not be justified on that basis. Further, colleges only have a set number of spots available, of course, and this goes really to the thrust of it. Thus, preferencing a student belonging to one race necessarily disadvantages a student of another race in direct contradiction to the Constitution. So that's the deal. That literally was the point Violating the Equal Protection Clause. Correct. Uh, Now, this was widely expected, as we said. I do want to get into the politics in a second, but Chief Justice Roberts did say that there's a potential role for race here. Uh, And and some have viewed it as a a way around this decision, how race impacted your particular story as a person, which providing that through essays, if it's many colleges require. So here's my thought. So there's an enforcement issue, by the way. I have no problem with that if this is in the context and this is how he, he meant it to be. 
of sort of what how I've always viewed affirmative action. You've heard me give speeches in the past where I said, "Hey, I'm an affirmative action kid. Right. I'm a white guy." It's like, "What? Huh? What?" And I'd say, "No, no. My definition of affirmative action is not with regard to gender, identity, or race. It's economic background." And I do think economic background is is the most fair barometer with regard to. In other words. Well, it's a factor. It's a fa- should be a factor, and I, I think it's a legitimate factor. Uh, and, and if race plays a role with regard to that particular background that the Chief Justice is saying, then that's appropriate. But let me just finish my point. I've always thought that you know a wealthy black person and a poor white person, for example, which is the, the example often given, uh, who needs affirmative action. It you take out race there and you look at dollars and cents and parents and background. So a poor kid, regardless of race, who is sentenced maybe to a poor school but does very well, should that person get a break with regard to college admissions? Yeah, I think most people would say, hey, you're an achiever. You've overcome all this economic deprivation. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think a lot of people find that fair as well. Well, we've already seen sort of the enforcement issue play itself out with many institutions giving statements about the case Mm -hmm. and how they're going to handle it, which could give a lot more legal action down the road. But to say that maybe this makes the institutions look at each individual as a whole. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And, uh, you know, it's not going to pit one ethnic group against another ethnic group or a lot, a certain amount of numbers for this group or that group. Uh, it, rather, it's going to look at all of the applicants. Now, how a school looks at 24,000 applicants is complicated, but I've heard others speak on this issue, too, uh, Condoleezza Rice, mm-hmm. in sort of looking at the whole picture, and economics is one of them. If you come from a school and have shown such great a success of an achievement, then maybe that person coming from a school of lower standards should have an opportunity to be able to have the type of education at of higher learning. So I think so. there's a middle ground here where most people are. And speaking of that, again, with regard to politics now, not the legal analysis, this may not be such the winner the left thinks it is as well. If you look right. at the polls, including African-Americans, substantial numbers of, uh, forget race, forget ethnicity, f- substantial numbers of Americans see discrimination as discrimination, no matter how you dress it up. I think we both read something from Alan Dershowitz that he has been arguing against affirmative action since the 70s, since it, you know, sort of its inception in in the court. That definition of affirmative action, he generally agrees with with my view and our view of affirmative action uh, on the positive end. So yeah, he has a good piece in Daily Caller as well. Very brief piece. Again, not to get lost in the weeds with regard to legal, legal analysis, but this was a widely expected decision. I really hope colleges take this decision in good faith, not as a runaround, but as a, again, focused, a refocus on the whole of the student applicant. Maybe this person who has suffered a lot of consequences as a result of lack of wealth, maybe not have the numbers someone else would have, but maybe that's the person you give the break to. And I'm mm-hmm. speaking from personal experience here, as you well know. So in any event, that's so, that. Uh, people need to be alert to their uh, watching to see how uh, schools implement things. And if they have kids applying to colleges, to if they think their child didn't get a fair break, to think about at least calling the school, asking for their reasoning, 
uh, holding the school accountable. Third Supreme Court case. Uh, you recall the cake shop, the Baker case. Yeah, I know you have that case right in front of you, babe. Yeah, Masterpiece Cake Shop. Yeah, this decision from the Supreme Court concerning uh, a website, that, that's the context of, of this particular case, requiring a uh, generator of websites uh, to uh, put together a website with respect to a, a gay wedding. Now, this was an interesting case, but very predictable result because it followed right on the heels of this Baker's case that got a lot of publicity. And the, the, the line in the sand the Supreme Court has drawn, the legal line appears to be under the First Amendment analysis, because this is obviously civil rights versus religious conviction. So you have very striking. It's kind of a, an interesting uh, combination of religious and First Amendment yes, rights correct, as well. Yes, correct. So the line the court has drawn is uh, where creation is involved. And, and I'll define that. Bakers, artists, photographers, uh, uh, writers, if you are asked to create something, that violates your particular religious conviction, that's where the court has drawn the line. And that is opposed to simple commercial transactions. You walk right. into a bar, a restaurant, a hotel, uh, you get transportation services, delivery services. You can't discriminate against anyone right. with regard to their uh, sexual orientation in this general commercial environment. But when requested to create something unique, that's the line the court drew. And that... This case followed from the Masterpiece Cake Shop case uh, in Colorado as well. So, uh, again, uh, this six to three decision. This court clearly supporting religious freedom. Yeah. They also had the ruling of the football coach who prayed on the yeah. public school football field after games. Uh, that was actually a unanimous uh, decision and also a Christian mail carrier who didn't want to deliver packages on Sunday. Now, I have to say. The most compelling sentence in this entire opinion, in Gorsuch wrote the opinion, was this. Would a gay website designer, could that person be forced to design a website for an organization that advocates against same-sex marriage? Mm -hmm. No. Right. Right? Same so, logic right. on the other side. So right. I thought that was a pretty Creating compelling... services against your yeah. beliefs. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty compelling argument. And uh, so again, three Supreme Court decisions, major decisions, but pretty much in line with expectations generally. And now we come to this fourth decision, a key ruling with regard to social media censorship in our country. And this one sort of came out of left field. This is an injunction. And the Biden administration, of course, has already noted their appeal to the Fifth Circuit, a Trump-dominated, Trump-judge-dominated appeals court. So this is going to have problems going down the road. And the court basically said this whole mess, especially with regard to COVID, but not only COVID, this whole mess concerning the heavy-handedness of government agencies vis-a-vis -vis social media. In other words, government agencies dictating speech, government agencies censoring speech, government agencies su suppressing speech with social media, often at the orders of government right. agencies, uh, violates the First Amendment. They mentioned uh, Orwellian, 1984. Yeah. 
and that government should not have that kind of influence. So this is a big deal. We're talking about agencies such as the CDC, the DOJ, HHS, the FBI. Uh, and clearly from discovery in this case, and this case was brought by two attorney generals, one in Louisiana, one in Missouri, two Republican attorney generals, brought this First Amendment case. And this Trump-appointed judge says, now an injunction, by the way, again, injunction means that I'm going to grant this because I find it more likely than not on the merits you're going to prevail. Right. Halting the activity. Halting the activity. So this is not a merit decision. It's an injunction. It's a preliminary first step. But it also means this evidence is substantial. And the evidence from discovery was that heavy-handed instruction from the White House, from Fauci's operation, from uh, the CDC, from all these other, other government agencies concerning opinions that were out there. Some of these opinions were crazy. And, and many of these opinions were not crazy concerning COVID. In fact, some of these opinions that were suppressed have been proven to be true, correct, correct accurate these days. So this was a, a really important decision. You can tell how important this decision was from the reaction mm -hmm. of, of the left. And babe, I got to tell you, uh, Alex Burleson, your boy. Love that guy. Who was a regular guest on Tucker Tarleson, who was also the target of, of this. Tucker uh, appears to have been in the crosshairs concerning a lot of what he has said and written uh, during the COVID epidemic. Well, yeah, they shut him down on Twitter and yeah. they shut him down, I think, on a couple other platforms. And he held out, had a lot of interesting information. And again, I think all of us with social media, many of us believe it should be an open forum. I think... You know, Elon yeah. Musk has obviously proved that through what he discovered and taking. And you're going to get some crazy stuff on. on of course you are. And use it, your it, common sense. It's hard Do some to research. Believe, hard to know what to believe sometimes at, at this juncture in our history, but no, nonetheless, you have the ability to sift through it on your by yourself and figure it out. The Wall Street Journal Thursday, July 6th, wrote a great editorial that really makes a, a lot of good points. But I'm just going to read now from that. Uh, the private intimidation was amplified by public threats to use antitrust action and regulation if tech companies didn't follow orders. So for the most part, the tech companies right. begin, were resisting this a little right. bit. They're saying, hey, you know, we are supposed to be a free speech platform. And the government's saying the heavy handedness of people who literally don't get the First Amendment, people who are running the government during the Biden era well, came to play. antitrust. Yeah, so they threaten literally antitrust. Oh, really? You want to lose your protections? What's it? What's it? Uh, Section two thirty. Those protections? Okay. All right. Don't go along. Don't don't go along with the with us on this. See what happens. So, this intimidation tactic uh, is serious. This is a hugely important First Amendment case. As we said, you can tell by the reaction of the left how important this case is going to be. It's going to go up to the Fifth Circuit. Again, a pretty conservative circuit. Ultimately, I suspect it will go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will do its thing. Free speech lives. The First Amendment lives. This is really good stuff. This brought us up in the Ehrlich household. This is important. I don't care if you're a liberal, right, left, communist, socialist, whatever you happen to be. 
Free speech still counts in this country. This is government action. The First Amendment only applies to government action. This is clearly government agencies dictating and suppressing speech in our country. It's got to stop. And, and, and this is a major obstacle now thrown in the way of, of Biden era. Protecting your freedoms. Suppression. The summer of 2023. And it brought the Ehrlichs up. That's right. So continue on your summer vacation. Enjoy it. And enjoy your freedoms because we maybe, just maybe, we're coming back. Turning a corner, as they say. And, babe, before we close, we should remind everybody to go to our website. I've been tweeting every day, every other day. BobEhrlich.com. My articles, Daily Caller, Western Journal, uh, again, the tweets, sort of our thoughts on these really important cases that – really undergird what we see happening in our country, which is a reaction to government oppression, government suppression, government overreach during the Biden era. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and put us out on your social media. Godspeed. Godspeed, everyone.